2021, we still see development and humanitarian campaigns that show harmful stereotypes, negative framing, and traces of white saviorism. At the same time, we also see alternative frames in communication that question the status quo. In this podcast series about poverty porn, we open up the conversation about ethical, respectful, and inclusive communication in global development. We do this together with the Expertise Center Humanitarian Communication. This series is produced by Disrupt Development, the world's first post-growth innovation academy in global development. Welcome to the second story cast in the Beyond Poverty Porn series. In the previous podcast, we, Walter Allman and I, Emil Martens, introduced our Expertise Center, Expertise Center Humanitarian Communication, and explained why we think communication should be a central concern, should be a priority in the discussions and decisions of NGOs in the Netherlands and elsewhere in the Global North. We also touched on the so-called imagery debate within and about the international development sector, which emerged in the 1980s, uh, which is sometimes called the golden age of charity campaigns and continues until today. In the 1980s and in the 1990s and well into the 21st century, the imagery debate to a large extent consisted of a critique of, and also in turn a defense of, what could be called poverty porn. That is the use and mainly the NGO use of graphic images of suffering people mainly those in the Global South, with the aim to increase sympathy, uh, to increase charity or other support for those people among a privileged audience, usually located in the Global North. Poverty porn, uh, which is actually also known as development porn or stereotype porn, was probably the main genre in humanitarian communication in this golden age of charity campaigns in the 1980s and 1990s. However, throughout the years, these images also got increasingly criticized for being exploitative and degrading. Poverty porn depictions, as the critique went, and we agree with that, objectified and reduced people to suffering bodies and suffering bodies alone, stripping them from their dignity, stripping them from their agency, and stripping them from their humanity, really. So this story cast series is called Beyond Poverty Porn which for us refers to at least three things. First of all, it might suggest that we are beyond poverty porn in this day and age. However, although more and more NGOs in the Netherlands and elsewhere are refraining from explicit and often ahistorical and decontextual images of suffering, various NGOs are still circulating and are still stubbornly circulating these kind of images often under the guise of this is reality um, or this is good fundraising. In other words, poverty porn or beyond poverty porn means here that various NGOs still have to move or have to make the move beyond poverty porn. Second, poverty porn or beyond poverty porn points to new genres of humanitarian communication that INGOs now bring into play beyond poverty porn. And we indeed see this happening, but would like to argue that with these new genres, which we, uh, as we also mentioned last time, often revolve around positive, 
around hopeful and around optimistic images and narratives. They're often equally problematic and even more damaging than the negative poverty porn images and narratives. And in a longer podcast that we did with Disrupt Development last year, uh, this was called Poverty Porn 2.0. And this was also the title of the, of the podcast in case you want to listen to it. So Poverty Porn 2.0, strictly speaking, is no poverty porn and often even far removed from the traditional fly in the eye but is still maintaining and, and the existing unequal power relations and is still grounded in spectacles and stereotypes of places and peoples in the global south. And in the longer podcast interview, we identified the white savior, a genre that is actually still very much connected with poverty porn, the adventure journey, the misery simulation, and the individual change maker as poverty porn 2.0 or the problematic genres in humanitarian communication beyond poverty porn. Finally, beyond poverty porn for us refers to the move beyond poverty porn 1.0 and 2.0, so towards ethical, respectful, and inclusive communications, and towards alternative images and narratives that question the existing power relations, or at least are transparent and upfront about them. And in our previous podcast, we told you that we each year organize the Humanitarian Communication Awards. That is the award for the least successful and the most successful communication of a Dutch development organization. And essentially, the Fly in the Eye Award goes to a poverty porn 1.0 and 2.0 communication, while the High Flyer Award, as we call it, goes to a communication that moves beyond both poverty 1.0 and 2.0. Each year, we nominate five communications in each category, the fly in the eye and the high flyer uh, categories, um, after which an independent expert jury selects the winner of both awards. Now, Walter, can you maybe tell a little bit more about the nomination process and who we have nominated in the fly in the eye category this year? Yes, I can. Uh, well, what we do essentially is that we, we take the list of associated organizations with uh, PARTOS, that is the Dutch Development NGO Confederation, uh, and we divide that list amongst a team of about, well, 10 people, that is the managing board, the supervisory board, and the advisory team uh, of our organization. Um, and from this team, each team member uh, takes a close look at the websites and social media channels of their part of the partners list. So uh, looking at the websites and social media channels of a range of different NGOs. And what we all do is to highlight potentially problematic or particularly good uh, campaigns. And as soon as we have done that, as we together have uh, gone throughout uh, through that entire list, we, uh, we get together as a group of 10 and then we watch and discuss all the highlighted campaigns. And then together we decide which campaigns we would like to nominate for the awards. And obviously we also discuss on what grounds we want to do that exactly. Uh, and after that, we write short uh, stories about why actually these campaigns are nominated in that particular year. So, so that's actually what we, uh, what we do. And then uh, uh, around the same time, we, uh, we find ourselves uh, a jury of, uh, of experts uh, within the field and, and beyond the field uh, who can then uh, make an informed decision about which campaign they actually want to highlight as the most problematic and the best campaign of, uh, of that year. 
So that is what we uh, what we do in a nutshell. Um, and indeed, as you uh, as you mentioned, we are uh, heading into the direction of uh, of a new a new award show this uh, this year. And uh, what we actually did was to not highlight five. Uh, campaigns in the fly in the eye category, but six. Uh, and the main reason behind uh, that was that we actually wanted to nominate uh, Save the Children, which is the first nominee in the fly in the eye category this year. Um, but they are such a frequent uh, offender uh, in uh, the category of the traditional fly in the eye kind of campaign that we wanted to nominate them. But since they have been nominated year in and year out, we wanted to leave space for at least five other organizations to be nominated as well this year. So uh, Save the Children is the first nominee out of six instead of out of five this year. One of the other uh, campaigns that is nominated is uh, a video by Compassion. They made a video of a Dutch woman whose craft work takes center stage in a story that actually tries to address child prostitution, which is very much at odds and very problematic in that sense. Uh, we highlighted a, a video by uh, the Dutch branch of uh, Habitat where two Dutch celebrities discuss housing situations in Uganda and help building houses as if they were experts themselves. Uh, we chose a campaign by uh, the Dutch branch of uh, PLAN, who tried to launch a campaign that highlights the problem of female genital mutilation through the emotional response of Dutch celebrities on uh, images and sounds uh, around that process, which was very problematic. And we actually discussed the campaign with the people of PLAN uh, as soon as we nominated it, and they already um, decided to cancel that campaign, which we are very happy about, actually. Uh, and also we nominated uh, International Justice Mission, who produced a video about uh, children living in poverty that was in different ways uh, problematic. And the last campaign that I want to, to highlight uh, a bit more thoroughly is the Kids at Home Challenge uh, launched by uh, Terre des Hommes, which is the, the, the last nominee in the, uh, in the Fly of the Eye campaign. Uh, and this is a campaign that mainly revolves around uh, Dutch children who are trying to raise funds for Terre des Hommes uh, through the Kids at Home Challenge. And it's actually one of many campaigns. I, I think everyone listening will know these kinds of campaigns. It's one of many campaigns to, that tries to mobilize children to raise funds through all kinds of activities, so sporting and musical and other creative activities. Uh, and we can obviously understand why children are addressed like this. Uh, it is because of their enthusiasm, uh, their commitment is oftentimes heartwarming, and they usually express deep felt convictions uh, regarding social justice. So we understand uh, that, but I think, and we think that we should be very careful uh, about uh, the position that we put children in as societal actors. And as an expertise center, we often try to emphasize how discourses are historically rooted. So how we tell and retell stories throughout uh, the, the decades and the years, how we articulate and re-articulate ideas and how we produce and reiterate stereotypes. And in that light, it's particularly problematic to see how we try to position young Dutch children in the very same position, in this very same kind of uh, narrative position and societal position as we have been putting ourselves in for 
at least uh, decades and uh, maybe uh, even centuries, namely that of the white savior. And I think that this campaign is particularly problematic because it puts once again children in the role of the white savior and thereby reiterating the kinds of stories that we uh, that we all know uh, very well uh, these days. So, but uh, maybe maybe on a we, we might need a more positive note. Emil, can you take us uh, through the high flyer uh, nominees of this year? Yes, I would like to uh, to share the uh, five nominations in the in the high flyer award category, um, and the first one uh, is uh, called uh, uh, Salomon's Story, uh, which is a video or rather a short documentary uh, from Spark. Uh, which focuses on a, on a very concrete project in Burundi, uh, where Salomon, the protagonist of the story, creates charcoal blocks from waste products, uh, which preserves the natural woodland uh, and manages uh, waste. And we often see um, that a focus on very concrete projects in which actually the protagonist of the story, but also the protagonist of the entire project, um, have a voice, are more successful than uh, the Fly in the Eye nominations. The second uh, uh, high flyer nomination is called Voices of Water, which is an elaborate how-to campaign from IRC, Simavi, Wetlands, ACFO, and the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs that highlights uh, the importance of civil society organizations and raises and actually answers the question how these organizations have fought for access to clean water. The third nomination in the High Flyer Award category um, is Palestine Resilience, uh, which is not a video, which are oftentimes the campaigns or the communications that we, uh, that we nominate and focus on. But this is an online exhibition, um, as well as actually a podcast done by Pox, uh, which is both very engaging um, and informative. So with an interactive community map as departure points and photographs and stories that result from that, and the website succeeds in, in mapping, literally mapping and making understandable a very complex problem and also humanize this problem. Then, uh, and this is quite significant, following the Fly in the Eye nomination for Terezom, uh, the one that Walter uh, just uh, discussed with you, the organization also positively caught our eye uh, with uh, Namamba FM, which is a feature film uh, about sexual exploitation of girls in Kenya that was financed and also co-produced or co-created by Terezom in collaboration with uh, Kenyan girls, uh, young women, and the broader community, including community leaders and government officials. And we, of course, understand that uh, co-producing an entire feature film is uh, oftentimes a different format uh, than, uh, than most organizations are used to. But it shows the different formats and the different engagements uh, that you can have as an organization um, with your communication. Um, and then the fifth and final nomination in the high fly category um, is an important voice message from Jairo. That is how uh, the video, um, in, in this case, is being called. And I would like to highlight the, this, this letter video a little bit more in detail. 
So this video was found on the YouTube page of Rutgers, uh, which is an international center of expertise on sexual and reproductive health and rights founded and based in the Netherlands. And in this four-minute video, uh, we hear a voice message from Jairo, uh, a 26-year-old gay LGBTQ plus activist from Guyana. And besides the fact that we don't often hear about the South American country humanitarian campaigns and in Dutch humanitarian campaigns, the approach of this video is also very strong. And Jairo tells a personal and substantive story about gender inequality and sexual violence um, in his country, including also attention for homophobic colonial laws and their legacies. And it's also about how he decided to stand up to bring about change. His voice message is accompanied by appropriate, by clear, and by creative illustrations that do justice to and reinforce his story. And it's just great to notice that the time has been taken to actually tell the story in both images and in sounds. And that Jairo is making his voice heard, his own voice heard, and telling his story is telling his own story. And at the end of the video, we also briefly get to see Jairo uh, as he looks into the camera and says, Use your presence, use your voice. And that's exactly what Jira has done in this video and what um, the more than 1,500 other youth activists of Right Here, Right Now, uh, which is a partnership of Rutgers, Ivos, um, Africa Region, Dance for Life, Arrow, Choice, um, and LACWHN stand for. All in all, um, it's a great initiative and a great communication. And here we would like to end this um, storycast. Next time we will explore the nominations further and also announce the winners of the awards. Or actually the jury or a representative of the jury will announce the winners. And we will have a discussion about how the jury came to their verdict. So thank you again for listening and we'll hope you'll tune in again next time. Have you enjoyed listening to this episode? Then please subscribe to our channel. If you're interested in engaging in thought-provoking conversations with fellow development professionals, then make sure to join the Disrupt Development Talk the Walk sessions every Friday at 1 p.m. Central European Summer Time. Thank you for listening to this podcast channel. Disrupt Development is the world's first post-growth innovation academy in global development. We work with leaders, nonprofits, social enterprises, corporates, international institutions, and governments to help them innovate, maximize impact, and achieve systems change. Want to know more? Visit us at disruptdevelopment.org.